audio sermons from Peachtree Christian Church. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the good news of God, the kingdom of God, has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The word of the Lord. Here you go. Please be seated. Hot mic. I'll try to make this sermon long enough for Carol to make her way back up to the Organs. I know there's a generational divide on this, but the first time I drove a manual transmission was five years ago. So it was in Spain where I had driven approximately one other time. And we were driving about 500 miles across Spain to the middle of nowhere. Uh, in the car was uh, my wife and a couple of the students from the ministry we worked at. And I'm not sure, you may not know this about me, but sometimes I can be a little sarcastic or make fun of people. And people love to be in the car with you the first time you learn to drive stick shift, if you've ever acted like that. Um, they let me have it. Uh, I learned about downshifting on hills, about the third mountainous hill that we climbed. I thought at first the car was just a dud because we're topping out around 50 on the interstate. Um, but apparently if you just go down a couple gears, it, it giddy ups. Uh, and you know you're struggling when all those sarcastic joking remarks start being like, but no, really, you're doing great. Uh, you just keep trying. And that was like the seventh time just trying to get up this little hill to turn. It was a stop sign. I don't know why you put a stop sign on a little hill but I just couldn't, oh man, it was the worst. We were driving with our, our teammates were in the car in front of us and they had to pull over to the side of the road as they watched me just back and forth. I can make it, I can make it. But we were going to this small town called Ligonde in Spain. Uh, it's not a town, uh, village might be a strong word. I looked up the population and I think it's an overcount, it's 50. Um, there are there are like five houses around this. It's 
it's just like a bend in the street. It's not even, it wouldn't qualify as a neighborhood. It's this really small town. We were going to work at a hostel on the Camino de Santiago. And the Camino de Santiago, if you don't know, is one of the great Catholic pilgrimages that's um, been around for hundreds of years. It's in uh, Spain, obviously. Uh, but there's a few different paths, but the traditional path is called the French Way. It starts just in the southern part of France and comes across, and it goes a little over 400 miles across the north part of Spain, ending just above Portugal in the town of Santiago de Compostela. And we're going to work this house uh, because people who walk the Camino, uh, you can't make it all in one day, so they have to stay places. And so there's these little houses all along the way. And uh, this one was a free one where it was a ministry that served the pilgrims. And the house, as you pull up on this dirt road, has a little fountain just in the front for people to fill up as they walk by. And that's why it's called the La Fuente de Peregrino, uh, which I always said Pellegrino, uh, but it was not bubble water. It was just regular water. Peregrino means pilgrim, so it's the pilgrim's fountain. Um, and it's just this little house built in Lord knows when, uh, very old, uh, has like half barn, half house. <laughs> we're supposed to, you know, trade chores. We're there for a week to serve the pilgrims. Um, and I was supposed to cook in the kitchen. The most I could do was basically go in and like put in like toaster strudels and hit the, the toaster down because the kitchen had like a big step up from what I'm guessing is when they put in piping uh, because I doubt it had running water to start. Uh, so the ceiling was a solid 510. Um, so anytime I was in the kitchen, I was just walking around trying to get to stuff, not hurt myself too badly. Uh, my strength was actually uh, scooping the cow manure as the cows went by right in front to go to the fields every morning. That was where I found my calling that week. But <laughs> the Camino uh, draws all sorts of people. Uh, pilgrims were all sorts of people. Um, and you see some really cool events. Um, it really does. I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere. It's just some farms and then wilderness uh, around us. And we were towards the end of the pilgrimage, about 50 miles from the end of it. So people had been doing the whole thing, gone 350 miles. They were kind of tired and worn out by then. Uh, some things I had seen uh, while we were there, I saw while we were there, uh, there were four men carrying their paralyzed friend down the entire Camino. Uh, so it's like sitting in Bible times. There was a woman who had blisters so bad that Nathan, who ran the house, uh, got out a bucket and like washed her feet and tended them up so that she could make it the last 50 or so miles. Uh, but I'll be honest, my favorite pilgrim uh, was the man walking the entire Camino with a water bottle and a towel. That was it. And so he shows up and asks, like, hey, is there somewhere I can clean my clothes? And just there's like a little yard area in front of the house. And there's a spigot and a basin. And we're like, we have this. And so he wraps himself in a towel, goes and sits out there and washes his clothes and hangs them up and just sits there for like an hour and a half as he waits. 
for them to dry. And I was like, that's how you do it right there. That's a real pilgrim. All these people with their backpacks doing it for follows. This guy didn't even know what a phone was. But people walk the Camino for all reasons. You have bucket listers. You have people seeking a spiritual awakening. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Way. Uh, it's a beautiful movie about a father whose son, not giving anything away. The, the son dies as he's about to start the Camino. And so the father goes and in homage to his son, decides to walk the Camino. And you learn all the reasons that the people he walks with are there. And it's a beautiful view of what the Camino can be. Uh, but the Camino can also just be something where people are doing it to say they did it. Uh, and so all these reasons can be a lot like how people do lit. Lint can be something where uh, I got ashes so I could post it on Instagram. Or it can be I got ashes because I want to sit in the fact that God died and I'm going to die and remember this, you know, reality. Or it can be uh, I'm giving up chocolate for Jesus. Uh, or to lose some weight, you know, or giving up alcohol or coffee. The people who are giving up coffee just... You should stay in your house for about a week. I don't want to see you for that first week. I love you. God loves you. Uh, but you are scary. Uh, my favorite, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it was a few years ago, Mark Wahlberg, it was Ash Wednesday, uh, was doing an interview. And uh, so they're showing Mark Wahlberg. He has the ashes on. He was a very uh, devout Catholic. And <laughs> the banner at the bottom says, Mark Wahlberg, 40-day challenge. I was like, that is the best name for Lent I have ever heard. But the origins of Lent come from uh, the early church. The earliest we know about is about the Council of Nicaea, about 300. And what had happened was, or no, that's when Lent happened. Your origins are from the early Christians all got baptized around Easter. And so the 40 days before they got baptized, um, they fasted to initiate their life in Christ as Christ initiated his ministry on earth. And it grew into, okay, now we're all going to fast for 40 days. But as things do naturally grow, some people started this day, some people started that day, and around uh, a little later, eventually the Catholic Church was like, all right, we're doing 46 days before Easter, which I don't know if you know this because I always forget. I'm like, it's at 40 days? No, it's 46 days before Easter because Sundays don't count. You can do whatever you want on Sunday. It's a Sabbath to be celebrated. But it grew out of that and became corporate, from personal to corporate. Um, and then we have the Protestant reformers. And I don't know if you know this about the Protestants, um, but their relationship with the Catholics was complicated. They hated each other. Um, and you might not know this, but a lot of uh, Protestant reformers hated lit, which is why a lot of us grew up not really doing lit or knowing much about it because the Protestant reformers saw it as just mortification for mortification's sake. That just means like dying to yourself, making yourself, making a hardship for yourself to make a hardship for yourself. It was just a, a sign. It was just a show. It wasn't real. 
you had Christian freedom, so why do you have to, why do we all have to do this fast that Jesus never talks about? It's not in the Bible. And so a lot of us didn't grow up in that tradition. And to be fair, if we're doing it because we're supposed to do it, that might not be a good enough reason. So when we come to the scripture today and we see Jesus going into this wilderness, why? That's the sermon title. And uh, Jared gave it to me. Uh, so he's going to come back next week and tell you guys the answer. I'm just set it up. I don't know. I don't know. No, but why Why did Jesus go into the wilderness? I mean, the, the easy answer is it goes into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. Nailed it. Done. Moving on. What does that mean? But why does he go into the wilderness? We could look at the overarching aspect of Mark. And Jesus takes on this characteristic of the true Israel. He goes to John and gets baptized and then goes and spends 40 days in the wilderness. Like, who spent 40 years in the wilderness? Oh, come on. There are Hebrews, Israel, I'll take any of those. Just a little bit. Come on, guys. I know it's, I know it's Lent. You can still talk in church. He's, he's taking on this mantle of Israel. In in Psalm 95 and in Hebrews 3, uh, it quotes this um, psalm, Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, talking about God, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me through the fourth, though, though for 40 years they saw what I did. So listening to that, who was tested in the wilderness for 40 years? God. God was tested in the wilderness. Thank you, Mary Elizabeth. Y'all should all attend her class and learn these answers. God was tested. So does Jesus go out in the wilderness to prove himself? Was it spiritual boot camp? When we send people off to boot camp, it's to push them to their utter limits, to show them you're stronger than this. You can fight it. You can break this. You can win. But when we go out into the desert, and when Jesus goes out into the desert, is it to test him or to test the Spirit of God that drove him out there? When we read the story, where does God say, you are my son, my beloved, and whom I am well pleased? Is it once he came out of the wilderness and proved himself? No. He's told, I love you, and I am proud of you after he is baptized and has done nothing in his ministry yet. God is proud of him at that moment. So what is the wilderness in Scripture, and why are we called there? The wilderness throughout Scripture is often this intense locale, this locale of intense experience. It's a place of isolation often. It's a place of having basically nothing no water, or you're alone throughout the Old Testament, it shows up. So it's part of life. We will have wilderness experiences. But what always happens, what continually happens, is God shows up and reveals himself. And we encounter God when we strip away all the distractions. 
And the wilderness for Jesus isn't a one-time event. Jesus kept going back to the wilderness. He goes to the desert to pray and to encounter God over and over again in the Gospels. It's going to happen sometimes. The wilderness is just going to happen, whether it be because of circumstances or because of calling. And so when we have this time of lit, this time of reenacting the wilderness, what are we doing? Why are some of us giving up stuff? Are we giving up chocolate for Jesus? Which is fine. Don't take this as you shouldn't give up chocolate for Jesus. Maybe you should. I'm just saying, are we looking at it because I want to have an encounter with God or because I want the side benefits of being a little healthier or want the side benefits of having my time more organized because I'm not looking at social media all the time? Are we doing it because we long for God to reveal himself? And when we are in the wilderness, when we take the time to separate ourselves from comfort or the rhythm of life, rhythm of our everyday life. It shouldn't be about going there to prove ourselves. It's not about you being tough enough. It's not about showing yourself, look, uh, look what I can do. I did this for 40 days. It's not about being our best selves. It's about humbling ourselves and learning over and over again to trust that God will reveal himself and prove his faithfulness to us and it's not to make him love us more, but to know just how loved and cared for we already are. One of my favorite stories from the Camino was Nathan, the leader of the La Fuente de Peregrino, um, was talking with a man who had walked the Camino 20 times. Uh, one of the f- things about the Camino is you get a passport, it's just a pamphlet, and every hostel you stop at, you get stamps. And this guy just had a booklet full. He had stopped everywhere over 20 years. But Nathan stopped him basically in his tracks and asked him, did you find what you were looking for? And the man never went on the Camino again because he didn't know why he was doing it. So as we enter this time of Lent, I ask you to remember, I know we're, we're looking forward to Easter as we enter this. Just remember what and who you are looking for during this time. Holy shit.